Hey, welcome to the Naked Church Podcast. We had a really good question that was asked on actually the Jesus Mission video, three uh, critical things we learned about house church. So if you mm-hmm. want to watch that, click the link here. But this is the question. How do we work towards unifying the American church with the life of Jesus and the believers in Acts? A quick shout out to Alec Young. Thank you for that question. Super beautiful. Oh man, what a great question. I'm not going to lie. I'm really fired up about about that, that question because I think, so obviously there's an aspect of we help run a missions organization (laughs) like based in America. We have Americans coming to us from the church here and we're sending them out most of the time overseas. Um, But so much of the work that we do is it's partnering with the local church. Um, Mm -hmm. It is getting believers. it's, It's getting our missionaries to be supported by their local church, their American church. And so there's a lot of, um, partnership going on there. Um, so it's necessary to not be sort of apart from, or just totally give up on and abandon, Yeah, you know, the, the church, um, even when we have really strong feelings or experiences, um, about things. So I'm really glad the question has been asked. Uh, I have a few ideas, um, but then also I suppose just the way that my brain works is, um, there, I think I can quickly identify some major hurdles when it comes to mm. once you start working on those efforts toward unifying the American church with just towards that whole living out the life of Jesus, re-embodying that and the early believers in Acts. Um, well, so, I mean, I, I could really run with this let's one. Do but this. Let's do this. Okay. You. So I think we need to preface here with scripture because that's great. That's good. You could share opinions, I could share opinions, but let's just dive in, make no assumptions that anybody has any idea what the believers in Acts even look like. You know what I mean? Yeah. So first thing I think of is Acts 2, Acts 4, and I figure let's just read the scripture, right? Yeah. This is in verse 42 in Acts 2. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. So that's the first section of scripture. That's in Acts 2, verse 42 again, through the end of the chapter. And then you get to Acts 4, and in mm-hmm. verse 32, you have a very similar thing. It almost like just repeats itself. It's slightly different, but this is what it says. It says, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to them was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as they had need. So there's a picture of the early church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Glad, generous hearts, breaking bread daily. A very different understanding. Um, like if they were to say, 
I own nothing. God owns everything. Yeah. <laughs> Very different application of that than, you know, when I hear people say it today. Well, and there's two huge results that are listed there too. It says yeah. like one, there was not any need among them. Mm-hmm. Like that's yep. a massive thing. Like when I think of the church right now, it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Is there need like in the church here in America? And totally, totally. There's need everywhere. Um, yeah. But when I read the scripture and I look at the early church, I think there's like a little guide into something really valuable here. Like to think of a church where there's literally no need. What, mm. what that is saying, if that's true, is that like God has bestowed his church with every surplus necessary to meet every need present. Yeah. It's there. The only, you know, a variable in that factor is us. So mm. what do we do with it? Mm-hmm. You know, and so that's the one thing. There's no need. And the second thing is there were people being saved daily. Yeah. But it and, all. And these people were together daily. Yes, as well. totally. Totally. So I think I think that has to be preface point being just to add some structure to the, some body to the conversation as we answer the question. So how do we work towards unifying the American church with the life of Jesus and the believers in Acts? Offer some thoughts. Oh, okay. So, um, yeah, we want to try to keep this uh, reasonably timed. So I'm just going to kind of probably not open up and read all the scriptures that come to mind because that'll take yep. too long. Um, but I think, you know, for starters, um, man, when we first started traveling um, in the band and we were touring to all these different churches across so many denominations, um, there was definitely this burden that was placed. Um, it was born on my heart and, um, I saw it on yours too, to unify the church. Mm. And, um, I mean, ultimately that's how like we came to be a part of a Jesus mission. Cause Andy has that same heart also right. where, you know, we just see so much, um, division and it's just not, you know, you just know like, Oh, this is not supposed to work this way. Right. Um, why are we working against each other is a a big aspect of what we often see at play. You know, why do we feel territorial? How this is not what's going on here. Um, but even if you were to strip away a lot of the aspects of how we worked against each other, we honestly don't see a whole lot of cooperative effort. And that's where, um, I, within a Jesus mission, one of the things that I love to be able to do is to call up churches, um, that are, that have one of our missionaries, you know, is, is, or a missionary is coming on with us to be sent out and to call up that church and to talk to the staff and to start talking to leadership about what does it look like to, uh, work together? Like, Mm -hmm. and so it's, so I actually have spent quite a bit of time in, in the Bible, in different areas of the Bible. So that way I can talk with these church staffers, these pastors about like, hey, what is a cooperative effort look like? Why would we bother to do that? Because truthfully, scripture has a lot to say about it. Like God cares a lot that we work together with each other for each other. Um, so once we start to get into this conversation of um, it, I think this conversation quickly takes a step into a broader area than just church practices and becomes the life of the believer, like this Christian life. Like we can't talk about this very long 
and still talk about kind of like, oh, well, how do we marry church practices maybe between a house church and um, your local church that you go to? The reality is we, when we go to scripture, church is not a place that you go. It's a people group. We are the church. And so anytime that we start talking about what the church is meant to look like, how it's meant to function, how we're meant to relate to each other, um, we have to. When As soon as we go to the Bible, we're not talking about like one thing that we're going to see here, one thing that we're going to see there, or what we're going to see when we gather alone. We're now talking about the full, whole-encompassing life of the believer. And so part of what I love about this question as well is, is there's this mindset of, Wanting to re-embody the life of Jesus mm. and those believers in and Acts, the early church, because like straight up, God gives us the map to the kingdom. Like that's what we see in Acts 2 and 4. That is kingdom living. Right. That is like when Jesus preaches how there is no favoritism, how there is... Um, equality amongst people and it's funny because you go to some of those parable examples that he gives and we feel like there's inequality because not everyone is receiving the same thing or giving the same amount but everyone has a sort of equality with each other um you know he's telling us this is what the kingdom of heaven is like this is what the kingdom of heaven is like and then we see what does the early church look like it looks like god gave to these people a way to embody the kingdom to bring his kingdom here now on earth. And so we see people that are together all the time, people that literally, like, it's not a cool saying. They actually own nothing. And God feels so passionately that we would be that level of surrendered over to him, have that, like, level of humility Mm -hmm. that, like, he straight strikes Ananias and Sapphira dead because they withheld. I hear you. You're you're like moving around in a very roundabout way like here's a bunch of different things about the life of the believer and you're touching on a ton of christian ethics essentially Mm -hmm. um whether it's surrender it's unity it's Mm -hmm. uh worldly possessions versus treasures in heaven whether that's community in the life of the believer how do we work towards unifying the american church with the life of jesus and the believer in acts Yeah. So it's a little bit of a trick question. I guess that's, if I'm going to cut to the chase, that's the point there. That's, you know, okay, well, let's go deductive reasoning, not inductive. I get it. I get Mm it. Um, It's, it's a little bit of a trick question because we're not just talking about unifying, um, you know, church practices. We're, we're trying to help people to understand what does it mean that the church is not something that we go to? What does it actually mean that it, that we are the church and how can we do that together and just the reality is i think the best thing that you can do is you can have very scripturally based conversations never go in with an axe to grind because people feel that they sense that it's it's tension waiting to happen i think there's context to interject real quick that needs to be added to that if you are unaware and you're listening to this watching on youtube or whatever the church in scripture is always a reference to the people of god yeah. You know, it's never, it was never a building or a place you go. You no. might read about the temple where people went, but mm-hmm. the church was always a reference to the people of God. And so, um, so in that way, church never stops. In totally. A sense, and it uh, is synonymous which is with 
your Christian. point, you know, so just to add some foundation to your point and what you're making mm-hmm. is that, well, we have to understand what the life of the believer is. What are our Christian ethics with our identity as a part of the church, the bride of Christ? And as a result, where do we go from there? So is there yeah. anything tangible you can give us, though, like to, to someone that's asking that question? Because I think there's a lot of people that essentially have that question. How do I work towards this? You know, I have a friend adam you know yeah uh, well, our friend adam yeah uh-huh. you know he's my he's my yes. friend too um but you know he he's talked about this too before you know because his wife is on staff at a mega mm-hmm. church and yep and kayla's awesome adam is awesome they're amazing yeah. people yeah but th- it's that you're wrestling through that like man but there's so much stuff here at this you know however many thousands and thousands of people that are at this church how do I work towards that? It's the same question, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I guess a quick tangible yeah. is understand that um, this is bigger than you. Like, like I have to, anytime I go into a conversation with anyone, I have to prepare my own expectations to understand this is far bigger than me, mm. right? Like you grew up in the church, but God brought you along this journey to be where you're at now. If I am having a conversation with a pastor in a church, like, I mean, we, and we've met so many different pastors, a lot of pastors genuinely out there, honestly don't know that that word in the Bible, Mm. I don't know how to pronounce it. Ecclesia, Ecclesia. I've heard both. Yeah. I don't know if, do you have any input on that? I've heard both. Okay, cool. What does it matter? Who knows what we'll say? Americans trying to speak Greek. It's true. So who knows what we'll (laughs) actually say here? Probably won't be consistent. But, um, you know, genuinely, there are a lot of pastors that don't even know that that's what that means. And then, you know, maybe they discover it. Which that's shocking to begin with. Well, you don't actually, you know, for as many churches as there are where you need a lot to be considered a pastor, there are just as many where you don't. Yeah, totally. You just need to be charismatic or like on fire or have someone that says like, God's put a call on your life and you're, you should be teaching the word and bam, a church is born. Um, so it's, you know, we, we cover all the bases in this country. Um, but it's like a patient discipleship. I can't go in assuming that anyone understands anything. So it starts with, if, if I'm trying to have some unity there, I just go with the Bible is meant to be our shared foundation. So, um, Mm. for me, usually these days when I have a conversation that's trying to be cooperative with a local church, it is because I'm calling on behalf of one of our missionaries and I'm calling to be like, Hey, and I, but I do, I go to those Christian ethics sections and I talk about how like, you know, we're not, close to each other in proximity but if i'm going to work like if i am going to be with you in the kingdom of heaven when god makes all things new then i should be able to further the kingdom of heaven on earth with you now Mm. so this person that you love and that i love they're going out into the field and can we work together on that where are you guys at and i'll ask what do you think of this what do you think of that so it's a very kind of gentle patient discipleship for me and that is obviously in one specific area um so i don't know if you have thoughts maybe for other areas what that looks like but honestly it's a lot of bible reading and what do you think of that and just giving people time to chew on it and come back i think to me there are still some more straightforward things that we can say for the question you know while it is complex in its nature and you're totally right about that i think at least my brain just thinks of it as that's great. My brain's just an abstract land right yeah, now. Yeah, mine's not abstract about it at all. You know, mine's thinking like that, you know, you can't help people that want to be helped. 
that don't so, want to be helped. Yeah, yeah. totally. I mean, yeah. it's literally, it's no different than, uh, you know, an addict in a, in a scenario. Like uh, I like to always say my bias is scripture. Right. And like yeah. you said, shared foundation. So the question is, is someone else's bias scripture? But do we have? No. And so that's, uh, many that's times what I'm no. saying. Mm-hmm. So when something actually undercuts maybe a form of selfism in our religion, you know, and is, is there even a shared foundation? That's the question. You got to so go find that out. we're talking about an American church, you know, uh, institutional church, whatever you want to, however you want to call it. The question is, do we truly have a shared foundation of scripture? Are our biases truly scripture? Because if so, it doesn't really matter. We're going to find unity. If I can interject for a second, it's never a good idea to have any assumption about that with like anyone in that church. You really have to go and investigate that individual by individual because not everybody's going to be on the same page. Some people are full send. No, I want this in scripture to mean this because that's how I've built my life. Yeah. And then other people are genuine. They didn't even have any idea. And now they're convicted, but they're like, well, shoot. Okay. I guess this, this is here and it should look like this. Sure. Yeah. So, so go ahead. here's the thing. This is what I would say to this, this question. First off, there's a lot of churches celebrating 80th anniversaries, 200th anniversaries, 50th anniversaries that should have died a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think, you know, like the church that the Ecclesia meets for a certain time frame and you, as it di- mean, is dispersed. You don't think there's know, anything wrong with dying or that they should have died, but they haven't. I think they probably should have died, but they haven't yet. You know, that mm-hmm. man clings to man-made structures that we have. But there's nothing so, wrong with that. No, there's nothing there? wrong with that. Because okay. anytime a group of believers comes together, this is a little bit of a different episode we could probably hit on. But the thing is, anytime That's a group okay. of believers comes together... If they were to all move away, the the church just dispersed. You know, hopefully they're going to form other churches or be a part of other bodies of believers wherever they went. We don't have to have some man-made thing that we called, you know, crossroads or whatever, fireside, you know, all these different things. We don't have to, like, have some sort of man-made brand that just it is perpetually ongoing. Like, yeah. we must find the next king that will run this land. You know, like, it's, it's okay to just let it die. It's fine. I think that's where we get in our trap. Mm-hmm. Because the trap is we're not holding sometimes to a shared foundation. We're holding to subjective, like either denomination or local bodies, like flavor of Christianity. And we're trying to keep like a set group of believers that will conform to this like branch of theology. And, and we want that to keep going. And sometimes it's not harsh. Sometimes it's a soft. Sometimes it really is still a central theology. But the point mm-hmm. is, I don't know that it's necessary. Um, but here's the problem. So I think of churches kind of in this imagery, and I've shared this with you already, but I'll, I'll share it for everybody else to kind of understand. I think of Great. churches as like a ship that's parked at like a dock. Yep. And at the end of the day, it's like, pretend the ship is facing south, and it's been that way for 80 years. One day the city comes and they're like, hey, this ship needs to be turned around it. We didn't realize, but it's actually facing the wrong way. And so they say, we need to hire a captain. Someone needs to come and, and move the ship around. And so the captain gets mm-hmm. there and he's joyful. He's like stoked out of his mind because he's mm-hmm. like, yes, totally. I would love mm-hmm. to move the ship around. Even if it's quick, I just love to, you know, drive boats. This is going to be great. And so he gets there and he's excited to move this huge ship around. He gets to the dock and he's like, uh, guys, I can't move this thing around. Like, well, why not? We hired you to change things. We want you to bring, you know, to flip it around. It just needs to be facing north. Well, come to find out there's a dock built entirely around the ship. And the ship is now boxed in. The ship's boxed in. It's not going anywhere. 
that's a lot of times what it's like with churches. There are people that want this change for this church so bad. Fresh fire comes into the young soul, but the new life in Christ, because they're on fire with what they're reading in Acts. Yeah. And so like, man, how can I be used to like infuse my American church like with this? And so they get stoked and they're on fire and they want to go there. And sometimes that young gun gets hired as the senior pastor or whatever. And so they come and they're like, I just re- like to drive ships. This is great. <laughs> then there's the elder board. Yeah. Or then there's something else. Or then there's the history of the church. Or, you know, yes, and, the history of the church it, or big family donors. Or, yes, literally, That's, it can be all the above. You know, we've been to the churches where people literally, if you move the stained glass on stage, it would be the end of the world. No, Because no, it's been there really, for 60 years. That's really common across and, the states. And so how could we ever truly, like, change the culture and bring us back to, like, an Acts type of church? A lot of time we need to, like, the first answer to this question how do we work towards unifying the american church with the life of jesus and the believers in acts is that we need to ask do we have a shared foundation is scripture our bias that's the first thing we have to ask ourselves like ours being the church and us being like the church building the church staff whatever them and us like do we actually have a shared foundation and is scripture actually our bias for both of us because if our history if this local body of believers subjective values or if these donors intense, you know, like yeah, no, are if, different. If their bias comes down to the totally. donors, if their bias comes down to the building debt or the fact that there is no debt on the building, if then their you bias can't help comes those down that to, don't want to be helped. Yeah. Other and that's people the, have power. Yeah. That's the brutal reality. Like no, that, that is. is the brutal reality. And I don't want that to be true. That's not a, a, trying to take a shot at people, but I'm just going, don't waste your time. Mm-hmm. You know, like there, there, because there, for every church that mm-hmm. there is like that, there's always a group of believers or another place where the Holy Spirit is truly free and people are on fire and there's an opportunity to see the kingdom of God flourish. Mm-hmm. You know, people just need to be told you can do it. You, you like go. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. Um, I guess I would. Mm, mm, Yeah. Here's the thing. So the question of this was asked, like, also, which we didn't throw in here, but essentially, and I feel like people very much relate, do I stay or do I go and start something new? And the reason I bring up what I bring up with those points is because I think that therein lies your answer. Like if someone's really willing to change things, you know, like we know pastors who have questioned even some things we've come with or other people and they've gone, let's just sit and dive into the word together. Mm -hmm. And there's such a humility in that. That's like, yes, the spirit of God is going to go before us and bring us together. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're wrong. But if we can sit and go to the word together, then Mm -hmm. great. You know, but if, if it's just a, no, the truth is like, this was my great, great grandfather's building that he donated to and. So I, we couldn't ever leave this building or we couldn't ever, you know, whatever it is, like a thousand different things that we hold on to that aren't just like actual just, point of the gospel. Yeah. It's always loyalty to something that ultimately isn't God. If, right. if when we go to the word and God says this and we say back to God, but Lord this, you know, then ultimately like we're, we're displaying that our, we have a loyalty that's greater to something totally. else and a lack of faith in God. When he says, no, you hand, you hand that over to me. I listen to me. I'm telling you this right yeah. now, have, have faith and trust me. Um, there's probably more we need to say on this, you know, like continue and talk about, but it does come back to like, at the end of the day, you mentioned unity earlier. And that was the thing that 
stuck mm-hmm. out to me because yeah. all those other ethics you bring up are super good, but we will never be unified if we don't have a shared foundation. So I guess here's part of, you know, what I would say in that is I'll, I'll come back to, because I think a lot of what you just shared was a, kind of an expansion on when I prefaced, like, this is bigger than you. Totally, totally. This is bigger than me. This is, you know, like you can't come into those conversations with an ax to grind. And in many ways, you almost kind of can't come into those conversations as I won't say with the heart of an activist, but with Mm -hmm. the expectations of an activist, like I'm going to go in and there's going to be change because you just don't know. And and here's the, the deal in a lot of ways when you're looking, it's a very threatening conversation to have even under the best circumstances especially when you go and you're talking to church leadership these are people who've built their lives around certain understandings of scripture and so it's hard to go back to those scriptures and and come to them in a fresh way which is why i said like you pierce were i i think it was a tremendous grace of god that you know for you maybe because it was we were traveling all over the place and that brought sort of like the lord helped to bring that confrontation and he guided you through that as you were reconciling these how you were brought up and what you saw versus what you're seeing now versus what's in scripture and then i think god was very gracious to me and that i just didn't even have any of that pre yeah foundation baggage to have to sift through in the first place but you know it is a very threatening conversation to be having with people in power um, and, and that's just sort of always how it goes. And so it's really important to know, um, it is our human condition to desire power and influence for ourselves and straight up like that picture of the church mm. in acts. No, no one has power. They've all so freely given it up so that they can be empowered by God, empowered by the spirit and not dependent on anyone else, not independent from anyone else, but interdependent. And that brings us back to this is the Christian life. This is how we re-embody the life of Jesus. Mm. But like, so I guess here's maybe an example of where, again, a roadblock that I think I have hit a lot. Our mission I've seen our missionaries hit a lot when they go to talk to people in the church and then when that's just family members or friends, whatever, but then also when they go to talk to church leadership. Literally, like just trying to have a conversation about if someone wants to live their life more like the life of Jesus, mm. more like that life of the church in Acts, everyone I well okay fine I I won't be as like hyperbolic not literally everyone but majoritively out of all the like our personal experience testimonies that we've heard people are going to counsel against living your life like the life of Jesus Mm. because it goes against the American way it goes against our conventional wisdom and people will say like it's reckless it's foolish it's negligent it's you know you're not living in reality and and it's it genuinely 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 undermines our faith and that call to faith that god has for us and so you you just have to understand going into these conversations we're it it has to be um you can't have the expectations of an activist it's got to be a slow discipleship patient process because you're trying to show people that like Jesus and the life of Jesus is real and it's for now. But a part of that is they have to, they have to be willing to see it. And if you come in and you really, you have that ax to grind to bring down on their life, that's hugely threatening. Let's talk about that a little bit more. Maybe we'll we'll talk about that on the next episode. We can expand on this more, 
But essentially, to get to the root of this, what we're, what we're needing to figure out is should you even stay or should you go? Is there something to fight mm. for or not? Like you in guys, that church, you've, you've got to, yeah. No, you have to mm-hmm. assess that. You have you to do. figure that out. You and do. So essentially, my advice to you, um, anybody that feels similarly to Alec in that scenario. Yeah, because um, you could be coming against someone's entire foundation of their worldview that so, they've been told is God. Simply put this, is the dock closed or not? I really think that's kind of what it comes down to. You know, is if that boat only has like three docks like surrounding it and that fourth side is open, then cool. Maybe we can make a 39 point turning, get out of Dodge. You know what I mean? Maybe there's a <laughs> chance, but if, if it's truly enclosed, which a lot of these church structures just honestly are the amount of friends I know that have become senior pastors at churches and literally can't get anything done is astonishing. Yeah. Because the traditions and the elders and whoever, you know, that mm-hmm. there's just no, there is, mm-hmm. th- there will be no change. Now, there are success stories and there are people I've known that have like had tremendous impact. And there's a couple of friends that come to mind where I'm like, yeah, their churches are on fire and things are happening. And that's awesome. But a lot of times that's not the case. And so I think to answer the question right out of the gate, how do we work towards unifying the American church with the life of Jesus and the believers in Acts is we have to question, is there even a shared foundation? And is bias our shared is our bias, you know, a shared foundation of scripture? Like, is that something we're coming to from both sides, not just my side, but your side? And mm-hmm. once you've done that, if the dock is open and there's a little bit of light, then there's hope, you know, then you can come to the table with not just both sides, not just you and what you're zealous for and not just them and the traditions they hold, but you can come with Jesus, the two of you and Jesus being present can also, you know, like he will lead us in those conversations. The spirit will go before us. And so I would say assess the foundation, you know, just to kind of, that would be my advice to whoever's feeling that way, assess the, the reality of, um, where things lie. And we'll talk about the rest on the next episode. Do you have any last thoughts? I do. I know we're running on time, but if anyone made it this far, this is hopefully pretty practical here. We very often, we read through scripture and we assume this like same foundation of scripture because we will compare to our own culture. We'll read the Bible and we'll compare it to our culture, but we need to be reading the Bible and comparing what we see around us to the life of Jesus. That's that shared foundation in scripture that we need to be looking to assess. Does yeah. someone else, do they want just the American version? Because I'm comparing to the yeah, other totally. people in my church community, the other people around me, the other believers I know, or am I letting my lens be Jesus when Jesus says yeah. all the things that he says? That's It's a very, very different mindset, very different end goal, very different level of surrender. And that's what you're trying to assess, basically. How much room do we have to work here? Because yeah. it's not all on us to be able to unify. Yeah. Thanks for watching the Naked Church podcast or listening. If you haven't yet, be sure to go check out the video we put out on Jesus Mission with Andy. Three critical things we learned about house church, and we'll see you guys next time.